What's up, what's up, everybody? It's Danny Green. We're back with Inside the Green Room, brought to you by Jack in the Box, my co-host, Harrison Sanford. Danny, I'm excited to get back in the lab. Uh, I know you're excited to get back to playing. I uh, just want to let our audience know, later on in this podcast, you'll hear our interview with Jeremy Lin, mm-hmm. who has a number of COVID-19 relief efforts as he's trying to get back to play in China, as well as we talked to one of Danny's friends, Marcus Keene, who actually just finished his season in Taiwan. But before we get to that, a bit of new NBA news, and you and I have been optimistic about the league coming back to play, but coming off the news we heard on Tuesday, it seems as if there's a lot of positive momentum that this is going to happen. Yes, uh, we had a call with the league, um, the players, and I'm sure some players inside supposedly, obviously there's rumors and people heard that some of the top guys had their phone call. Obviously, I wasn't on the line, so I don't know what was said, but from my understanding is that they were just finding the best way to salvage season, make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, even guys who are non-playoff teams were thinking it's important that we make sure we have a season. And the biggest key or biggest thing that I got from the players call that we had with the Players Association um, was that, you know, we have time on our side right now. You know, that's the best thing. We still have time on our side. Uh, there's no rush or, or need to push this early to make something happen right away. Uh, but it looks like things are starting to come back to normal. Hopefully some facilities will open sooner than later. Uh, guys get some individual work and then hopefully from there take it to maybe some group work and some teamwork in and um, obviously the sooner the better but hopefully we're shooting to get you know the season back and rolling by you know mid to late June so we'll see what happens Uh, but as of right now like I said that the biggest key or biggest thing that I took from it that was important that we all are, are happy with is that you know things are getting a little bit more back to normal and we still have a lot of time on our side. You know, one of your teammates, Jared Dudley, made a good point. There's a lot of implications if you guys get back to play or don't get back to play with the CBA coming up. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of TV revenue that needs to be recouped or that the players are hoping to recoup. Uh, It's obviously a public health decision, but obviously it's also a financial decision. Yes. And I I think that's the reason why most people are optimistic when you have that those many, you know, that many things in place or the motivational of uh, losing money or businesses losing money. Um, that'll kind of light a fire under you to, to get you to get back rolling and try to make something happen, find a way. Um, so that's why I'm very optimistic. I think most guys are, but it's important. Uh, even the guys that are not that pressed about it or teams that aren't that pressed about it because they might not be in the playoffs, but it's important because for the following year, it could, um, you know, a domino effect and affect the following year, which it could affect all businesses, not just us, but uh, money-wise, we could lose a lot of our contracts or money or whatever the CBA will be changed and be different. And that's something that we don't want to miss out on, something we don't want to lose. And I think everybody wants to, to get their money. So, um, you know, we have to make sure we salvage this season, make sure we get this back, and then hopefully, you know, have things running smoothly back next season. You know, the one of the interesting things that might happen, if all the players go to one location or go to two and then eventually combine for the, maybe the finals or something like that, if there are no fans, I do wonder – Maybe the players who don't make it to the like advance in the, a playoff series, maybe your fellow players in you know the, one of the 145 players, 450 players, actually mm-hmm. become people in the stands cheering on you or cheering on that could the be Rockets or cheering on the Magic, the Raptors. It, uh, it's almost like the NBA players then become the fans in the stands because those are the ones who are also in quarantine with you guys. That would be interesting, and that's a possibility. But I, I highly doubt that the teams that don't make it or don't play or want to be quarantined just to watch some basketball up close and live. Um, I think they'd rather be home with their families, and they could probably watch it on television and still be with their kids and wives and dogs or whatever, or on vacation somewhere and still be able to tune in. Um, but that would be interesting, and I think that would be a lot of fun if we have, you know, our fellow 
employees or coworkers or guys that we play against to be able to be in the building and watch some of the games and support us and have fun with themselves and maybe they're just their families too. Um, but it's, a, it's going to be weird without fans, but it would be nice to have at least somebody in the stands. Yeah, because you know, you know what it is? I'm just trying to think of how in the world are you guys going to be rewarded for having the number one seed in the West? You guys, you know, not going to get home court advantage. Yeah. So all that, I mean, obviously all the work is worth it because you guys gain chemistry and things of that nature. But the major reward you're playing for is rest, which everybody has now, and having a game seven at home, which you probably won't have now. Yeah, nobody's going to have home court now. So um, it'll be interesting. Instead of, but end of the day, the best team has to, you know, win. And regardless of fans or not, even the teams that said you make it a point to be great on the road, um, there's no other way to prepare yourself for that than something, I guess, of, of this nature when there's, you know, nobody really cheering for you or, you know, when it's silent when you score a basket. So uh, regardless, at the end of the day, it's a, the best team has to win, has to perform. It's going to be different. It's going to be interesting. But, uh, you know, I think we all want to be back on the court playing and we all want to be able to compete and give ourselves an opportunity to do something special about, like being the last team standing and winning a championship. Sounds about right to me. Uh, hoping for good health and hoping for some games to be played. And with that being said, let's go to our interview with Jeremy Lin and Marcus Keene with more Inside the Green Room. We got a uh... My main man, great teammate of mine, and also a friend. Go way back since the, the D League days, which is now the G League. Uh, he's playing uh, a legend over in China, also here and in New York. Uh, Jeremy Lin, welcome to the show, my guys. Thanks for having you. Uh, thanks for taking your time and jumping on. I appreciate it. It's uh, got it's my first time I've ever been uh, on a podcast twice, so I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely honored to have Yeah, welcome back, bro. <laughs> yeah, second time around. Yeah, for sure. Had, we had Jeremy in Toronto, uh, for those who want to go back and check that episode. But before you do that, you can obviously listen to this one. Speaking of Toronto, Jeremy, I wonder if you have the championship ring uh, with you right now. Uh, I don't. I'm... Uh... I'm staying in our team's dorms tonight just because we had uh, I had three workouts today and I was just too lazy to go back to my apartment. But uh, it's back in my apartment, and um, it's huge. <laughs> so I'm surprised you have it with you. So they shipped it to you there. They didn't give it to you while you were in the States? No. Funny story, actually. I tried to get them to ship it. I was like, hey, just you know, ship out the ring and everything. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the Raptors were kind of like, hey, uh, I'm not sure how to explain this to you, but this isn't really an item that you <laughs> I'm like, why? It's not that big. You know, it should be pretty simple. Just ensure it. They're like, well, one, I mean, it's a really precious item. But two, like, there's a lot of other stuff that comes with it. I didn't know at the time there was the, the jacket from Drake, there was the bottle of champagne and, and the video uh, game. You're spoiling it for me. It's all good. But uh, I didn't know all of that. You you nah, bro. Oh my I mean, I've seen pictures of it. I've seen pictures of the ring, but I didn't know about the package. No, there's no package. There, honestly, there's no package. I made that <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, so uh, basically what ended up happening was they gave it to a, a family member and then when uh, my family member came and visited me in in uh, beijing uh you know they brought the ring because there's nothing else that came with it it was just a ring so okay okay dope dope um so where's home base for you 
per se. It's not there. Obviously, it, it's not. I don't think it's there. So your home base would be back here somewhere, correct? And that's where you would keep your precious items held for that, I guess, whatever time being. So I'm not wondering, so where would you keep something like that? I would keep it in Palo Alto. You know, I, I had stuff like my Harvard diploma and my California State Championship ring and stuff like that. So it's all kept in a safe place out there. Um, but I just haven't had a chance to kind of move the ring back. I didn't even know. Um, obviously, when I saw it, uh, I got it in January. And um, and I wasn't expecting at that time, uh, you know, coronavirus wasn't everything that it is today. And so um, I'm just waiting for the right time. And, I, and when I go back, I'm going to bring it back. Now, did you did you get a break? Sorry, Harrison. Did you get a break like everyone else and the chance to go anywhere? Yeah, so I was actually uh, – I finished my last game uh, January 21st in Beijing, and then we went on Chinese New Year break. And uh, at that time, that's when coronavirus really started to break out a little bit more. And so um, they basically told us, hey, uh, don't come back for a few more days. And a few more days kind of turned into two months. And so, um, yeah, I was on vacation uh, for Chinese New Year, and then I took a flight straight back to California. And then I spent two months there until they told us to come back. And so when we came back, uh, me and my teammate at Beudo, uh, we both came back, did the 14 day quarantine, but, um, but then kind of things went uh, south. And so the season has still been pushed back. And right now we're just kind of waiting for an answer. Um, I think we're going to get an answer sometime in June, hopefully on whether we play in July or August. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's a very interesting, Jeremy, because you've had to kind of shut down, ramp up, shut down, ramp up again. Um, what were the factors that led to the league feeling that they can get back, but then having to pull back? And what were the factors that kind of contributed to the up and down again nature of being able to get back on the court as a league? Right. Um, I... Uh, I'm not in all the – I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, to be honest. I'm kind of more just going off of what the team tells me. Like, hey, uh, we, got the noti- we got the notification from the league. We got the 21-day notice that it's going to start in three weeks. And so we were kind of going off of that. But um, once we kind of got back here, that's when kind of uh, the virus was really breaking out in a lot of different places. And then I think there was a little bit um, – just it, it just spread – um, really uh, across the world. And I think that's when I'm not exactly sure, but I think that's when uh, the China health administration was kind of like, Oh, we, we have to take a, a step back from, from the league right now. We can't go forward with that. And so we got that news, but again, it was like, it kind of came in waves. So in the beginning it was like, Hey, we're going to push the season back for a couple more weeks. We we're like, okay, cool. And then they pushed it back again. And then they were kind of like, Oh, it's susp- suspended indefinitely. So it was really, uh, it's been, it's been, I mean, we're all going through it. Every single person, every single situation, we just don't even know what to expect tomorrow. And like everything that we're planning for is just changing uh, kind of by the day. All right. Uh, yeah. I mean, understandable. I think that's a lot of people's standpoint right now, um, but I wanted to bring up the topic and also spread the word and, and letting people know about your campaign. You've been raising funds to support people that are affected by the virus, uh, Tell us a little bit about the campaign and your mission behind it and, and you know, all the details of, of what's going on and how, how involved you are with it. Yeah, the campaign is, uh, I mean, how it started was just 
Um, when I got back to California, um, China was really going through a lot of stuff with coronavirus. And then finally, when it really hit hard in California, I had to take a step back and be like, dude, I don't think I've been taking this seriously. Um, and I saw a lot of my teammates go through like 21 day quarantines and things like that. And it kind of didn't really hit me. But then once, you know, everything hit in Cali, where it was like, you can't go to restaurants, you can't go anywhere, you can't go to the gym to work out. I was like, dude, this is, this is different. And I need to do something. So I, I launched a campaign. Um, and from there, I just, I uh, donated 500,000 to two organizations, um, Feeding America and Direct Relief, just uh, PPEs and meals, um, some of the most basic survival uh, needs. And I and then I told fans I'll match, um, I'll match another five hundred thousand. And so uh, right now we've been uh, actually doing really well. I think uh, within two weeks or so, two to three weeks, we have uh, I want to say you know about two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand uh, from, from the public donation. Um, and, and so I've, I've matched every dollar of that add on the additional 500,000. So we're, we're around 1.1 million right now in a couple weeks. And so we're just going to keep moving forward, raising money. And, um, and then we're going to start highlighting other things. And so the biggest thing is really just as the, as the effects of coronavirus continue to evolve, the campaign will evolve. Right now, it's kind of about meals and PPEs, but eventually it's going to evolve into other stuff. And so um, I'm just keeping everybody up to date. Uh, COVID, COVID.jalen7.com. Okay. Yeah, I was about to ask you, where, where can they find you? Do you have a – so that's the website. Is that the, that's the link to the website. Is there other pages? Do you have an Instagram page or a following on any other socials that they can find you at? Yeah, Jalen7 uh, is my Instagram, and that's really where I put uh, most everything, and then it eventually ties back to uh, that website. Okay. You know, Jeremy, you said there are going to be some effects of coronavirus. Um, and, you know, one of the effects is not financial. It's more of a social matter. We've seen uh, at first here in the States, Rudy Gobert was getting uh, criticized for his, how he played with the nature of coronavirus. And that's evolved now. People kind of understood where he was coming from. But what we're seeing now in the States, and I'm sure there's other places around the country where this is happening, is that there are discriminatory um, uh, words being said about people of Asian descent, particularly from China, because it is believed that it had come from Wuhan and the, uh, people of that descent are spreading it or the, the cause for this. And, you know, it's not necessarily the fault of an, of an entire people for one thing that might have happened. And I'm sure somebody like you has, has seen this, and, and I'm sure that's something that you want to try and correct to the best of your abilities. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I think you said it well. I, and I, I shared a lot about it in a Players Tribune article that I wrote. But to me, it's, you know, at this point, um, we are all in this together. Uh, for real. Like, we're all in this together. And uh, if we don't band together, uh, it's just going to make it more difficult, more tough. And, and I think that's kind of why my – uh, COVID-19 campaign is called Be the Light campaign. It's it's everybody, everywhere can be the light and uh, you have those decisions to make. And so um, for me, it's, you know, obviously right now that the, the hot topic is, uh, you know, in terms of social justice and things like that is is around Asian Americans and, and the hate crimes that they're dealing with. Um, but to me, again, this is just, this is just what it looks like today and right now. But we're, you know, we're not the first, uh, 
you know, minority group to have experienced this type of stuff and we're not the last. And so to me, again, it kind of comes down to just, um, that's crazy. I just, I just, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just killed, uh, but anyway, no, to me, to me, I think that's just, um, really to me, I, I want, I want people to treat other people well, regardless. And so, uh, honestly, my initial goal or the things that I was kind of talking about was just in stopping Asian American hate crimes. But that's to me just step one. And mm -hmm. my goal isn't to get Asian Americans to only care about Asian American social justice issues. That actually, to me, isn't really the the, the end game or, or the real goal. I think the, the goal is to bring Asian Americans together to take a stand and, and, and to be able to defend ourselves. And from there to continue to grow off of that movement, to be able to stand up for other people who can't stand up for themselves and other groups that can't stand up for themselves. And there's a lot of other issues. I mean, we've seen br police brutality and other things within, within just the last couple of years. Can we get everybody being compassionate, being empathetic, being unified where people are standing out for other people and groups are standing out for other groups. I think when we get to that point, we will really start to see some social justice reform and, and so, um, again, I'm kind of, you know, on my little soapbox and then I'll stop, but so that's good. kind of short term, long term, all that. Speak, uh, another thing as we, you know, as we can move away from the soapbox, even though I enjoyed what you said, uh, <laughs> now that, now that Danny is playing for the Lakers, uh, obviously there's a large contingent of Lakers fans that now watch the podcast more than before. And so if you could indulge us in a quick Kobe Bryant story. Quick Kobe Bryant. Well, what's what's uh, what's the mood that you're going for? Is it like his work ethic? Make us laugh, make us cry, make us entertain us. Whatever you, whatever comes to your mind when you think of Kobe. Um. All right. Uh. Man. And it could be a Laker memory, or it could be a Nick memory, or when you saw him when you were with another team. Yeah, I think I think two stories. Um, one is kind of just uh, they show different sides of him. One was when I first got to the Lakers, um, and and he was talking to me, and we were like, "Man, I would love to watch film with you." And so uh, we sat down one day, uh, the next day, and we started watching film. And I, I could just tell the way that he watched film was just at a different level. Um, like I've watched film with a ton of assistant coaches, a ton of NBA players, but you know, he kind of stopped something, and he was like. Hey, look, so this guy comes off the pick and roll. He fakes to the outside and splits the pick and roll. And he's like, he took it from his right hand and he pushed it out. And he was like, to me, the defender is reaching with his, the big man is reaching with his right hand as well because he just got split. But as you push it, can you grab his hand or block his hand? And, and I mean, this is not some like that's not normal. Like no yeah. one's just like, oh, I'm gonna split the pick and roll, and at the same time, I'm gonna use my hand to also block the defender's hand. Like it's like, look, no, we're just worried about splitting it and then getting the ball back. And so, yeah. uh, kind of just like seeing a lot of these different details and the way that he like saw the game, and he was just like, pause sometimes, rewind, replay, rewind, replay. Wouldn't say anything, and then all of a sudden he would be like, well, what do you think about this? And it would just be like he was thinking two, three levels deeper than the initial person when they would uh, analyze film. And, and so uh, that was to me like, that to me was just, it showed me there's depths and there's levels. Um, and, and don't get complacent where you're at. And, uh, and don't always, you know, don't think about the game as, as, as simplistic just because you've done it or watched film over and over again. 
Um, and then the other story was just, I remember at this time he had gotten hurt and he was out for the season. And, and so he wasn't around for, uh, for quite some time, just rehabbing and being away from the team and stuff. And then all of a sudden after like, you know, we hadn't seen him in like a few weeks and all of a sudden he walks in the gym and this is the day before the, the trade deadline. And uh, we're all about to start practice. We're on the baseline. We're stretching, doing our dynamic warm up or whatever. And then he comes in sweatsuits he has a sling around his you know uh for his for his hurt shoulder and um he has he has his shades on his Kobe shades and he walks in and everyone's like oh and booze uh Carlos Boozer's like Kobe like good to see you bro like dang like we haven't seen you a bit how come how come you came today and uh and he <laughs> and he was just uh stone-faced and he was like I just uh just came by to say bye to some of you bums who are going to get traded tomorrow. He sits down at the table with the, with the school, you know, where you control the scoreboard uh, at the practice facility. And he said a couple words to the coach and then he left. And, and then uh, I remember one of my teammates was just like, I lost all motivation to practice. <laughs> it was funny because it was like, we couldn't tell if he was serious. We couldn't tell if he was joking. Obviously, if I were to guess, he was much more probably more on the end of serious. But I don't think he was like all the way serious either because like, you know, after that, he was like, you know, people, we had like talked, you know, people had talked to him, caught up with him and stuff like that. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like a hostile, hostile, but it was, just like, <laughs> it was so him. Like, wow. <laughs> That's wild. Oh, yeah, Jeremy, yeah. That, was, that was a good one, Jeremy. All right, all right. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This show is brought to you by Jack in the Box. Order your favorites like Jumbo Jacks, Curly Fries, or Two Tacos all day, every day using their mobile app, drive through or delivery. We're back with more Inside the Green Room. Let's jump to our made-to-order segment brought to you by Jack in the Box. Danny, we got two good questions, and they want to dip back into your past. Former uh-huh. coaches, former teammates, but let's start with former coaches first. Okay. Yo, guys, Gerard from New Jersey here, huge fan of the show. This question is for my man Danny. Danny, you played for Pop for you know eight or nine years, one of the best coaches of all time, and you probably had several other great coaches. Was there one thing that one of your coaches told you that really motivated you or something that's going to stick out forever? I'm a high school teacher and a coach myself. I would love to share that information with my students and my student athletes. So one saying, one quote, one type of motivation. What was it? Let us know. That's a pretty good question. Gerard from New Jersey, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I have played for some really great coaches. And I think one of the, obviously, they're all, I can't say one is better than, or put them in a, statistical order because it'd be kind of unfair um but the one who coached me the best and instilled with me the best habits early on was my high school coach uh, tim clues and he was a perfectionist um obviously you know, you're not going to be perfect um but you know there was always a saying that practice makes perfect and you always a lot of people think that saying is incorrect because uh, you can be practicing the, the, the bad habits or the wrong things so it's perfect practice makes perfect so you have to you know practice the right habits uh, and trying to be perfect, and then you'll be perfect doing that. But he always continued me to push me. And I think the biggest things that motivated me the most wasn't just what my coaches encouraged me to do or told me to do. I was a different type of person, but the things that every one of my critics told me that I couldn't do. So anytime they told me I couldn't do something, I used that as motivation to prove them wrong. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I have to give a lot of credit to my high school coach and obviously coach Williams after that and then pop after that. But early on, he, he coached me and pushed me to be a perfectionist and to practice perfect or better habits or great habits and doing things the right way and not cutting corners. Make sure you touch every line, make sure you, you know, hit every end line or every corner slide and, and do every drill uh, without cheating yourself um, and in the weight room. Don't you know, cheat yourself on reps. So, you know, practice the right habits and, and try to perfect yourself in practice uh, before you try to you know, do it in the game. You know, Danny, when you give an answer like this, people who are, you know, me and Amjad who are going to edit this video, uh-huh. <laughs> we try to find corresponding video photos mm-hmm. to cover it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you and you're, you're not that old, but it's going to no. be harder to find you and Tim Kloos as it, a role, as opposed it, to you and Pop or you and Roy Williams. It is. It is going to be tough because back then they didn't have many highlight videos or cameras or pictures like that. But, I mean, I can give a quote from each one of them. It's all good. That, that have been great. You know, Coach Williams, we had a thought of the day every day with Coach Williams. And it was, you know, a lot of things like, you know, you can give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You can teach a man a fish and he'll eat for the rest of his life. You know, things like that. Just about, not just about basketball, but, but about life, you know, and, and just how the, the team – uh, was bigger than the individual itself in the game. No one was bigger than the game. And, you know, one of one of the things that always stood out of, of one of the sayings, is they're all very similar, but, you know, it, it's it's amazing what can be accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. You know what I'm saying? So that that was for the team. That was for the group. That was what uh, Coach Williams always preached to us mostly, you know, building foundation and stepping stones and things of that nature. Um, Pop, you know, he always, sense of urgency was his biggest thing and laying a fire on the guys and making sure that we were never comfortable or or satisfied and always That's wanted, a good and always That's wanted a good to compete so um one of my favorites and the reason why i have uh i have certain tattoos on me um was you know to never be satisfied and always you know stay hungry that's what i have on me but you know satisfaction is a sure sign that your forward progression has come to a cease so once you become satisfied a lot of your forward progression will come to an end and and a lot of people ask me, oh, why do you have that? You know, because it says I'm, you know, oh, I try to stay hungry and, and you know, not be, ever be satisfied. You know, it's not just a Snicker commercial, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's some real meaning behind it. So those are some of my favorites. Um, and it's a pop B had a bunch of stuff. He also taught us about political things uh, and about the real world. You know, our, wor- our world is basketball world. It's not real. And it's Christmas every day. But he always taught us, uh, told us and informed us and taught us about, you know, what's really going on, what's more important with families. You know, keep them close, your loved ones, make sure you, you know, check on them and take care of home. Um, so they were all amazing in, in different ways. And they all taught me a lot of things about being a man and growing up and being uh, you know, a good human being uh, at the end of the day, not just a basketball player. In the words of one of your former teammates, underdog, put that on a T-shirt. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know who says that, right? Big Shaq. He said, Shaq says a lot of things, man. There's not, any, there's not many things that he hasn't said and hasn't been put on a T-shirt. Uh, in honor of one of your former teammates, we have another question and our final one in our major order segment. Um, when you played with Kawhi in San Antonio and Toronto, did you feel like his road dog? And a bit of a loaded question, do you think he could have won both titles without you? <laughs> Um, wow, it's a very good question. I said I like his background, I like his setup. He was very well prepared as a Lakers fan. Um, do I feel like Kawhi's my road dog for sure? Um, especially when we were growing up youngsters in San Antonio, uh, there wasn't a bunch of younger guys there. It was older crew. We had to kind of earn our respect with you know Tony, Timmy, and Manu, and other guys that were there already. 
and especially our coaching staff. Um, they wanted us to be the best defensive tandem um, in the league at the time. That's what they challenged us to do every night. It wasn't about scoring. And we had to earn that every night. And regardless of how well we played defensively, they always thought and wanted us to do better. Um, so as a youngster, watching him progress and grow, as well as myself, um, you know, we became close just in that nature. And obviously being traded together, it only you know made sense that we were comfortable with each other at that point. So it made sense that we were, uh, you know, stick together during that time and try to bring um, that organization and that team to another level and try to win. But you know, stay together and we know each other pretty well playing in the, in the front court, back court, however you want to put it. Um, but do I think he could win with that? I don't think Kawhi wins any of those championships without anybody, not just me. Um, you know, if we don't have Fred, if we don't have Kalo or in San Antonio, we don't have Mon or Tiago or Boris. Um, I don't think we win those series or, or Patty Mills. Um, but there's so many said, pieces that are, are important when it comes to winning a championship, not just the main piece or the, the big piece of the puzzle, which is the superstar, but all the little pieces surrounding it. And every piece is, is a, I said very important and needs to be accounted for. So I don't, I don't think um, those things can be achieved with any teammate missing in, in the, the puzzle. I know you're working for a career in the media after this, but Trying Danny, to. I must yeah. say, quite the politician. <laughs> Everybody's trying to stir up some shit, man, you know? And I've learned over my years that I've had some slip-ups in my time, and I've learned, and I'm sure Coach Williams could tell you. Um, I haven't got a chance to ask him that, that, that story, that question, but I was a young and I've made some mis mistakes in the media, but ever since then, uh, no, no more mistakes, man. I'm not trying to stir up any, any shit, not stir, stir up the pot. Um, maybe when I'm done playing, I'll be able to do so uh, about guys that I haven't played with. And you know, obviously, at the game, every guy, old guy, thinks the game's getting softer. So I'm sure I'll be one of those old guys where I'm like, oh, this game's soft or it's different. And I'll probably have some more criticisms or you know critiques of other guys that I haven't got a chance to play with. Okay, fair enough. If you want to catch Danny Green slipping, because maybe we will be able to get him. <laughs> You can give us more questions on our made-to-order segment. You know where to follow us, Inside Green Room on Instagram and Green Room Inside on Twitter. Good, good. Well, uh, yeah. For those who uh, don't know, this is Marcus Keene. Uh, led, led the nation in scoring when he was in college, boy. Uh, still doing big things, man, in G League overseas. Uh, currently playing in the only league that's still op alive and, and, I guess, having games right now. And yeah. uh, the SBL, right? Yeah, the SBL, no fans, though. No fans. How's that like? What's that like, man? How's it like playing? Is this your first time ever playing with no no fans? Like, yep, literally yeah, no fans? Yeah, definitely. In a, you know, in a real league, I don't think I don't think anybody's ever played in a league with no fans unless no fans just showed up to the game. You know, some, some <laughs> leagues like that are overseas. I was going to I, I was gonna say I was pretty close my freshman year at Harvard. That like that. <laughs> 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 that's the only thing. If you don't have no fans, that's it. But not to not really have, like, no fans can come into the gym. You know, that's probably never happened before. But it's definitely different. It's just like, you know, an open gym environment or like a closed scrimmage. You know what I'm saying? So. The only only energy you have is the energy your team brings. You know the coaches, the team, the team, the players on the bench. That's the only energy you have. Jeremy, if you could, so what they're doing? Oh, actually, what everybody's doing here in the states is we're watching the Last Dance. It's become like watching the Super Bowl for everybody uh, here in the states. Are you do, do you have it available there? Is it a frenzy as much as it is here in America? Yeah, uh, I can watch it, but I, ha I haven't had a chance to. Um, obviously, you know, for us, we're still training, going pretty hard out here, and 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 uh, we're doing in inner, you know, scrimmages with our own squad and stuff like that. So 
I've been meaning to get around to it, and I definitely will because uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's epic. Yeah, it's crazy because um, we watched it last night, but um, you know, people have leaked it. The episodes have leaked, and everybody's been ahead of it. And I don't want to watch it ahead of time because we have certain people coming on uh, to talk about it. So I don't want to jump ahead. It's kind of I wouldn't say like it's like homework. Else, I'd watch it outside if I didn't have to interview somebody about it. But um, you know, I don't want to spoil it, and I also want to go step by step for the fans who haven't seen the rest of the episodes uh, and certain people that we have brought on. Uh, Marcus, welcome back, man. Sorry about the. <laughs> Technical yeah, difficulties. Please connection I got. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, so, Mark, so Marcus, with that being said, can you tell uh, our, our viewers and our audience where exactly you are and then the, if, if there were any and what they were, trials and tribulations that your league had in getting back and started? Because when, when Danny texted me and said, did you guys know there's a league even playing? I was like, I, I think I know sports very well. And I was like, right. <laughs> There's actually people playing basketball right now during this <laughs> pandemic. So if you could explain uh, the, the situation that you have for you and where it's located. All right. I'm in Taiwan. And so basically uh, it was around January when I first heard about the virus and I was at home in the January and I came back in February and I was scared to come back because, you know, I didn't want to catch the virus yet, et cetera. But the governor out here had everything under control. He had like shut down, you know, foreigners from coming in. He only allowed the people who lived in Taiwan to come back. So basically, when we started, uh, we started the second round of the season, which was beginning of March. Uh, the, that's when ABL was still going on, and uh, there was no, um, there was the cases didn't really go up. It was only like maybe 25 cases out here, so it was very controlled. Well, the people that was in Europe started coming back home, and they started bringing the cases back, and so we ended up getting a lot of cases like day by day. So they basically had, they had banded the league. They had stopped our league for about only about three days. And they said it was going to be about two weeks, but the league, I guess, this league had to finish the league. And because they had to finish the league, they said they wouldn't get the money from, like, I, I, I want to say it was, like, owners or sponsorships or whatever that gives money to this league, they wasn't going to get it without finishing the season. So they was like, well, we got to do what we have to do to finish the season. So we basically was, like, shutting down all fans. And they basically check our temperatures every day. And anybody – we haven't had nobody with no high temperatures. So everybody on the – there was only five teams in this league. So, you know, it's not that many teams that really check up on the players and stuff like that. But they just checked our temperatures every day before we walked into the gym. And then, you know, if your temperature was good, you was able to go. But they had to finish this league. So that we had a two-week ban. And after that, after like three days when they figured they had to finish it, it was like, let's just get this over with. It was only about like two and a half, three weeks until the playoffs had started. And then, you know, obviously it's only – it's a week left now. You know, I'm in game six tomorrow. So it's, it's a winner go home for me. And if that – Game seven is Thursday, and then after that, the season is done. But we had to finish it, or they wouldn't get the money that this league needs. So that's mm. power, the power of business, man. And <laughs> right. Money right. comes into play, and that's why I'm very, uh, I guess, on the positive side, hopeful that our league, I'm sure our league, will get back to playing at some point because so there's too much at stake, too much to lose. Um, but Marcus, yeah. to follow up, um, do you? I know you had, recently you had a little one not yeah. too long ago. Um, congrats, by the way. I said congrats when you when you have. Um, do you have do you have a do you have a, a little one with you? You have your family out there with you right now, or are they back home in Texas? <laughs> nah, it's just me. And uh, the crazy thing is, was uh, you know our boy Chris. He was actually trying to come out here, uh -huh. and basically the the people said no more uh, Americans can come to the U.S. I mean, you can come to Taiwan, so you can only <laughs> leave out. So no, they they haven't allowed any foreigners back into the state. So, but now I didn't want uh, my daughter. She's only eight months now. She just turned eight months. So, 
you know, when I came back in February to start the second round, she was only, what, six months. I didn't want her to do the flying back and forth, you know, overseas because she wasn't – they wasn't – her and her mother wasn't going to stay here the whole time. So I just didn't want her to – you know, she's too young to yeah. be, you know, traveling back and forth after a week or two trip, you know, how long the flights are. So, um, but I just – you know, I'm just – it sucks not being her around this time and stuff because, you know, you never want nothing to happen to her daughter. But the people that's taking care of her out there and making sure that she's, you know, safe and the people that are taking care of her are being safe and cautious as well. So I'm very happy for that. You know, Marcus, you bring up a good point just about family members being all around the world. Jeremy, obviously, that's something that you're dealing with now, too. Uh, how do you deal with, you know, for me, I have, I'm, I'm in California, but all my family's in New York and it hurts not to be there. You guys are all the way around the other side of the world. How are you, right. you dealing with that? And then uh, I'd like to ask you another question after, after uh, in regards to uh, preparations for actual games. But I'll let you get to that one first. Well, I mean, just dealing with that, you know, like, you know, I've been overseas basically since I got out of college. So I've always been by myself. You know what I'm saying? So you just got to, you got to be a strong-minded person to do what you love to do, but be over here by yourself away from your family throughout, you know, six, seven, you know, eight, nine, possibly 10 months out of the year. So, I mean, I've been doing these type of things. So it's just, I mean, it's hard at times, but, you know, you see the bigger picture and, like, I'm making money to be able to support my family when I get home. I'm still playing the game that I love, at a, you know, at a high level. And so that's, those are the things that I take into consideration that, you know, not everybody can do this. You know, not everybody's actually built to go overseas, you know what I'm saying, or to leave their families and play overseas for a long period of time. So for me to be able to do that, just to stay strong, then, I mean, I know that shows my character and it shows the people back at home that I would basically do anything for my family to make sure they're good. So when I come back home, you know, I have money. And, you know, then when I get home, I, I spend a lot of time with them because, you know, I'm always traveling or on the road or gone for a certain long period of time. Jeremy, same question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same for me. It's uh, I've been, you know, playing pro for 11 years, 10 different teams. It doesn't even include the, the D-League team me and, and DG were playing on and other stuff. So really it's the same thing. I mean, uh, we kind of get used to being flexible and figuring it out, being alone or, you know, uh, and whatnot. So I think it's, it's uh, kind of like what Marcus said, like, we still get to hoop like everybody like so many people across the world don't even get to go to the gym um, sure. like they can't even just go to the gym and get shots up or go to a weight room and, and get a lift in or something and and we're here like going live every single day five on five um doing you know get you know refs and other things like we doing these little scrimmages and whatnot like we're able to stay in shape we're able to work on our game and uh, you know especially at this point in time if you look around the world there's just so many other people that are dealing with other things that like as long as like my family is good and healthy and stuff like i'm in a great place yeah i think i think that's our biggest concern is making sure that first we're just checking to see if y'all families are good it sounds like everybody's family is good uh on you guys and um thank god uh i'm just i'm wondering how it would be because i know you guys have some teammates that have been affected by it or their family's been affected by it or by it uh, i'm just wondering how stressful or how you know, crazy or how, how they handle the house. Because I know we have people from back home in New York and a lot of people have lost, you know, people that we know. Um, it's just tough. But from afar, you know, how hard is it? Is even that hard? So we're far from our families, but you guys across the country now, do you know anybody that's been affected or any teammates have been affected or their families are affected? How frustrating, how hard is it for them to be able to go through the seasons, uh, Marcus, where you guys are still playing and over where you are, uh, Jalen, how hard is it for them to not want to just leave and be like, you know, quit or give up and be like, you know, I can't play the season. I'm going to go back home. 
Well, me personally, I haven't, I don't know anybody that's been affected by it or dealt with it on my team or at home. But I know, I do feel like, I, I used to say that to myself all the time when I'm just sitting here in my room by myself, that I feel like if somebody that I truly cared about and love was affected by it, I think I might. Um, I probably would have went back home. Nine times out of ten, if I knew if I knew it was under if I knew it was under control and handled, I probably would stay. But I know that that could possibly, you know, mess up my game because the effects of this virus is something serious that nobody really took, you know, took serious enough until you know people started passing away. So I, I mean, I always thought about that, but I mean, it's not happened to me, and I don't know nobody even on the team out here that anybody that's been affected by it. So. I can't really speak on that, but I really do feel nine times out of ten, I probably would have wanted to go home, especially if it's somebody that's real tight and circle in my family. Yeah, I have I have the same exact answer. So um, I I don't you know I know people who have had it and stuff, but and like people, not anybody that I'm like really 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 close with. Um, just like you know friends or even you know people that I've come across and stuff like that. But um, you know, and I've sent a few text messages to people that I know that are like you know, that have had it, um, but I'm not like that close or haven't spoken to them in a while. Um, but it's kind of, it's just crazy that, uh, it's just crazy that this thing is like really hitting so many people, like so many people that everywhere are just like no other people who are being affected by it. Um, and so again, I have the same answer with Marcus where it's like, if, if it really was bad and it was someone that I was really close to, like, I would definitely have to just kind of pull the, pull the trigger and, and go home. You know, the interesting thing, guys, as, as we talk about the sport of basketball and being able to get back on the court, yeah. here in the States, at least, only essential workers are able to go outside. People, if you work in healthcare and things of that nature, and, and, and make a bank or two or something along those uh, grocery stores. Uh, and then it's funny because now that we look back, if basketball is such a luxury occup occupation. It, it, you guys still have this opportunity to play a sport for a living. But at the same time, what I've realized, or I think what a lot of Americans are realizing, or a lot of people in general, is how important the sport that you guys are playing is for the mental health of a people, of a country, of a community. Because there's hours in the day that somebody can dedicate to watching Jalen play or Marcus play. And, you know, Marcus not play, being able to play in front of fans. There, there are fans that were so much looking forward to going to see that game because that takes them away from the everyday stress. And now the stress is a multiplying because everybody's in this quarantine, at least in the States. So uh, have you guys kind of stepped back and looked at, it's not just a pleasure for you to be able to play the sport of basketball, but you're almost doing the service for, the, for people to give them that distraction that they need, that they're craving for to get away from the health scares and, and the financial worries that come along with this pandemic. I mean, I just really want the NBA to come back even with no fans because that would give people at home like, okay, at 7 o'clock, the Lakers play the Clippers. So now we can tune in and watch that. You know what I'm saying? Like, For well, sure. Boston is playing somebody at, at 7 o'clock. So now, okay, whatever we're doing, at least at 7 o'clock, we know we can watch a game. And so that's what I feel like out here in Taiwan. Like, at least they know at 5 o'clock p.m., you can watch a basketball game for two, hour, two and a half hours. And then after that, you're just going back to, you know, basically no sports. It's actually – out here, they're actually playing baseball, too. Out here, no fans, but it's still baseball in Taiwan going on as well. So, you know, maybe they watch that. But it's just – that's what I really want to happen. At least bring the NBA back, you know what I'm saying? We could just tune in at 7.30 p.m. and watch a game. And I know that would make a lot of, you know, fans happen. So, that's how it Yeah, it's crazy. You said that the luxury uh, – and I, I – trust me, I mean, Jalen, we've been through 
ups and downs and the markets as, as well. So we, we know the luxury of being able to play basketball for it as a job and be a professional and the perks of playing in certain leagues and especially the NBA. Um, but you don't realize how much it affects the rest of the world until you right. sit back and people are fiending to watch any type of entertainment of professional sports where there's WWE with no fans, the UFC is going to, you know, private islands. And now that they're, they're, they're airing people shooting, playing horse games from the, from their homes. Like they're, yeah. they're really aired horse. Like <laughs> that's how badly the country is fiending for some basketball or some type of sports to watch. Like they'll come up with anything that people want to watch. So people are just like, I'll watch practices. I saw some tweets the other day like, I'll, I'll listen, I'm feeding for some basketball so badly. I'll watch a practice for three and a half hours if I can. Just, put a, just bring back NBA basketball, bring open a facility. I'm like, Jesus. That just goes to show how much it really affects the whole world. And it's crazy to me to see that. And I'm just like, wow. Um, the impact that we have, you know, on other people is crazy. Like, you know, obviously we go through our own stresses. We go through our own – we're in our own world and we're playing. And we want to win, we want to compete. But we're really, you know, not just playing for ourselves. We're, we're doing a service to other people. Like I said, relieving their, sh- their days. They come back home from their work, happy hour, have a beer, right. hang out with their friends and want to watch a game or watch something. And now they yeah. can't do that. You know, they're like, get me out the house. You know, I want to get away from the wife, the kids, you know, get the kids back in school. Um, <laughs> it's really affecting a lot of people's homes. And instead, it's crazy to see how much our, our lifestyle and our leagues and what we do has an effect on in a good way on people around the world. So, so Marcus, you have two more games left. Jeremy, what's the optimism level in returning back to play uh, where you are? And do you get back? Do you get the full season back? Do you get a portion of it back? Do you, is, has there any been any insight on, on that? Um, honestly, I think everything's on the table right now. Uh, no one really knows. And, and I think we're just supposed to get an answer sometime in you know, May or probably June. And I think there's a lot of other checkpoints and, and meetings that have to be had um, outside of just the CBA. And so um, I think, you know, the health administration and other things, there has to be a lot of those kind of checkpoints that are cleared. And so at, at this point, it's just a waiting game. Um, and and uh, they said, in terms of what we've heard so far, no one knows. Like, we have 16 regular season games left in the playoffs. And so, um, like, do we finish the 16 games? Do we shorten that? Like, what do the playoffs looks like? look like? Is it best of seven like it was supposed to be? Or is it best of three? Um, so I think at this point, everything's on the table. Um, and we're just, we're just waiting, man. Is there a deadline to where if you guys get a past a certain point, they say, you know what, we, we can't have the season for you guys? Um, I, I think there was, a, you know, I think there, there is a deadline, but I think there also was a deadline before. And I think that that one is going to be passed. And so I think they even pushed that deadline back as well. Um, so again, it's, it's really just, uh, I mean, what it is today probably won't uh, be what it is, uh, you know, in, in a month or two. And that's that's universal, really. Um, that's that's a, that's just across across the world. And so, uh, again, I, I would I in this in this situation, I'm kind of just like never say never be prepared for anything. Okay. Okay. God, I think that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, obviously, hope you guys 
Marcus, first best of all, luck, man. Yeah, when yeah, the next couple you, games, bro, get, get, you, a, get, you, get you a chip, bro. Get, <laughs> get you a chip, bro. Now, Marcus, uh, real quick. So, if you, it, when the season's over, do you get? Are you allowed to come home? Uh, uh, my flight, my flight is booked uh, May fifth. May fifth. It can be changed at any time. It can be changed at any time. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to get back to the states to be around my family, especially with this stuff going on. But still locked in with these last, you know, game with a possible two and just try to get the championship. But as soon as I'm able to leave, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I want to go. I hear that. Jeremy, <laughs> hopefully you can get back on the court, win there, and then come back, hang out in California like you like, you like to. We'd love to have you back here. Maybe you, and maybe when you come back, you'll be able to sit down in front of a TV and hopefully watch Danny get a ring as well. We hope <laughs> that sports come back for real, for real. But more importantly, we wish that everybody stays safe. Um, not just in the States, but where you guys are and all across the world. It's the most important thing. But if we can be safe and while watching you guys play, I think everybody would be happy. Yeah, man. Appreciate you guys coming on. Appreciate your time. Best of luck to you and your family. Stay safe, man. Uh, give everybody our, our, our wishes and wellness. Um, and, you know, continue with the campaign. Jalen is big stuff, man. Uh, big stuff. You know, commend you for that. And everybody that wants to find him in his campaign, follow Jalen on his, on his Instagram page. And his website is on there. You can find um, find his website on his into the Instagram page. Uh, once again, thank you guys. Appreciate you guys for your time, man. I'm, I'm early here, it's late there. You guys get some rest. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys soon, hopefully. All right, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Inside the Green Room. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Inside Green Room and on Twitter at Green Room Inside for a sneak peek at upcoming content and the latest news from our team. Also, please take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast so that we can continue to provide you with the best content.